it is, well, at the time of recording, like an hour and a half the Lions kick off. Connor is supporting the Honolulu Blue. I think we both need a somewhat big game from Jameer Gibbs tonight. I mean, um, yeah. The fantasy person to me needs a big game from Jameer Gibbs. The Detroit Lions fan to me needs a big game from Jameer Gibbs. The Detroit Lions, but, Lions fan in you needs a big game from uh, Aaron Glenn. <laughs> big game, yeah, big game from Aaron Glenn, who I I know this is a Canadian football podcast, this is a U Sports mm-hmm. podcast. Welcome in everybody, Canadian football perspective. Wade's at Canada, Connor O'Neill. Yeah, okay, I know Aaron Glenn. I know Aaron Glenn needs a big win here, but more importantly, Aaron Glenn. Are we at a point here where he just needs to go? I do not trust this guy whatsoever. And yeah, come at me all day long with like the Lions are missing CJ Gardner Johnson right now. They're missing Lee McNeil right now. They're missing James Houston. I get all that. I get all that. But Aaron Glenn, specifically this Detroit Lions secondary, has been atrocious. Did you see what Justin Jefferson did them did to them last week with Nick Mullins hucking the rock? Yep. Yeah, I kind of did. Um, oh my god. <clears throat> I am I'm not and and bad things happen when I wear Lions gear on Lions game days. That has been a trend that's happened this year. So I should actually switch over to the Detroit Tigers hat. There you go. There we go. There you go. We'll see. I um know. I don't know. 11 and 4 first time winning the NFC North since 1993 and I'm still a pessimist because I'm a true Lions fan. I don't know. I don't even know where to go. You just he, for everyone <laughs> listening, Connor as soon as I mentioned Aaron Glenn did like a swift like hat, like almost like he's throwing his hat as a coach to be mad, but then just like started like going like oh shit, like fuming in the background. So um I've clearly kicked this off on a good note. Uh but no, I mean it's the new year. The Ravens have to play what is going to be today at one o'clock because it is Sunday, uh against the Dolphins. So I'm gonna equally be pulling my hair out tomorrow, Connor. Um we'll see how this how this ends up happening, but I just, uh, I feel like as uh, as we get closer to kind of kicking over this calendar year, kicking over to new seasons, uh, recruiting blackouts almost finished, we're going to start to go, wow, we had quite the year that was from the highlights, from the storylines, from just straight up good games to watch at all, all levels across the country. We were really spoiled. Uh, I believe that there is some time to kind of reflect and kind of say, holy shit, we had a great brand of football that was uh, promoted, some level promoted. Um, and this is what I remember most. So we're going to leave it open for you guys tomorrow to kind of write in what you remembered most about 2023 in Canadian football. Connor, do you have a what you will remember most from this past year? Yes, I do have something to give you here. Uh, It's not necessarily a player or a play or a game. It It is a season as a whole because what I remember most from this 2023 U sports football season is the meteoric rise of the Windsor Lancers. I think looking back on 2023 for me, 
what I'm going to remember most from this season is, is probably how hard I bandwagoned the Windsor Lancers. And I think for, for damn good reason, um, you know, we do our OUA previews every single, well, we do our OUA previews every year for the last two, three years now. And this year, after talking to coach JP Cercelli about, you know, the expectations for the Windsor Lancers, how it's, it was coming together last year with being a playoff team and all that. Like there was a feeling that for 2023 in the OUA, these Windsor Lancers were going to be a, a force to be reckoned with. And I think they exceeded, you know, maybe not their own, but everybody else's expectations for sure. Cracked the top 10 this year for multiple weeks. We're a damn good ball club. They were a team that, you know, home or away, you didn't really want to play because, you know, if you're in Windsor, then it's a long bus trip for you and you got to play a good good offense. If if you're on the road and you're Windsor, well, they're coming to your town with a damn good defense and pretty heavy run game. So for me, it's the Windsor Lancers, my long-winded answer. Okay, now before we go to mine, I'm going to kind of throw this at you. What do you need to see from Windsor in 2024? to make that next push in the postseason? Uh, yeah, for me, moving into 2024, I guess, with the with the Windsor Lancers and, and how they can improve, I think really, for me, it's all about not letting this be, you know, a one-time deal, not letting this just be, you know, a blip on the calendar years of U-sports football. Like, this is something that now you kind of have – a blueprint you have a benchmark for how you know you can perform i think you need to now take this develop it continue to grow off of it um you know flush out some things offensively defensively you know they lost the playoff game to, to laurier a, a damn good laurier team at that but um yeah it, it's about now using this as a stepping stone to um curate success in 2024 and beyond i think for me that's what what Windsor can do to improve. And they, they have shown that there has been this, you know, steady, but incremental improvement year after year with, with Windsor over the last few years. And I, I think they just need to continue on that trajectory. Yeah, I'm with you and, and we'll see growth, I'm sure. And as uh, they become more of a, I don't want to say well-known program, but more, competitive program with the top end schools like there's a difference between competing with the westerns and competing with the yorks um i i can say that right like i i don't it's not a it's not a jump to kind of say there's a huge step between those levels of competition but as they continuously compete at that high level the recruiting will follow and the top end players will follow and as we talk about you know well they were really one dimensional offense this year uh towards the end of the season it really showed and well guess what some young quarterback is going to come in and say well shit i get this offensive lineman the defense are going to give me a ton of chances with short fields i can run the ball at ease with this offense oh and we have stud weapons out wide like let's not act like they didn't have guys but the ability to point a to point b complete those passes at a high level it was not the highest we saw in the conference, let alone the country. That'll come. And I'm, I'm really confident that it will. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent agree. 
Uh, we've rambled on now about my pick for you know a little bit longer than maybe we should have, but I, I think we both had a uh, had a place for the Windsor Lancers in our hearts this year in the OUA season, the U Sports season. But what is your you know when we look back on the 2023 season, what is your something that you're going to remember um, the 2023 season for? Uh, I think there's a couple. I think like a a kind of back burner one that may not be like a first memory, but it's definitely something that 2023 as a whole will be remembered for is probably the Maya Turner story with, with Manitoba being the first female to uh, oh, score yeah, and dress absolutely. in games. Like that's probably a big um, storyline, but to me that's, that's not in the forefront. Like, yeah, it was cool, but did it make a huge impact on Manitoba's season? I guess you could argue it, but they ended up losing in the playoffs. So, um, all right. I, I do want to say my top one has to be just kind of the the revenge of the Caribbean and Joe Cool, Joe Senecal. Like Connor, this is a team that they are going to come take your Laval long sleeve away from you. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> that was twenty twenty two. But the reason I'm going to remember this for Montreal, Connor, is Laval is off this ultimate run as Vanier Cup champions. And yes, they beat Montreal by a rouge in the Dunsmore the year before, but Montreal did not forget. And where I was victim of it, I know you were a little more on the side of the caravan, but at the start of the year, I was like, they're bringing back Mittal. They're bringing back Desjardins. They've got top offensive linemen. They've got athletic DBs. Like this Laval team looks like they're going to be running it back. And the Caravan just kind of put their foot down first time out against Laval and said, it's not like last year. It's, it's not going to be like that again. And they held it the second matchup and the third matchup. Their defense flexed on the Rouge Or, and Joe Senecal was just unstoppable. There's a video of him hurdling some guy standing up uh, on Sherbrooke, like just nasty highlights all season long from Joe. Um, the pump fake that made everybody turn and look for the receiver in the Vanier Cup as well. Um, the Carabay, I know it's really big cop out to kind of go with the, <laughs> the champion of U Sports, but that that's going to be my one big thing is, that I take away is how vengeful they were. Oh yeah, they were. Uh, you could see it. There was a mean streak there with with the Montreal Carabay this year. I'm excited to see where they are next year because like we just talked about with Laval bringing everyone back, so are these Carabank. Like, I'm I'm on our draft 100 right now. Kalen St. Cyr, probably going to go to the Alouettes and stick. Carl Shabbat, <laughs> probably not going to get that chance, but he could come back next year. Joe's back. They've got, their linebackers are both back. Misan and... Our favorite, Farinaccio. Uh, they've got receivers that are coming back. They've got running backs coming back. Their offensive line is coming back. So this is where we sat last year with the Rouge Or. We are now sitting with the Carabay. They've got to run it back. But how does that outlook in our sec take fold? It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting because... 
you know, we talk about all these players and it's, you know, it's funny. We mentioned Laval the year before we're having the same conversation that we had, that we had last year now with these Montreal caravans. So I think, you know, sustained success. Like we just talked about with the Windsor Lancers is going to be crucial for Montreal because Laval is not going anywhere. And the strength of the RSEC is getting more diverse. It certainly is. And while it is like a really big two horse race, <laughs> Um, there's, there's programs that are, are making a push and playmakers at McGill and Concordia has playmakers. Sherbrooke's kind of, they're going to be interesting next year as well, because Sherbrooke, I don't know if Robichaud is going to come back for that final season, but man, from East West Bowl, where he looked like the dude to this year with the turnovers plaguing him all season long, that program's got a lot of interest around it. So, um, RSEC will be one to watch, but hey, back-to-back Vanier Cups coming from La Belle Province. More to come, I'm guessing, back in the back, future year. Back-to-back Vanier's had a great cup in there. It's been a pretty good year for Montreal football fans, but let's take this thing because we're we're going large here, or we're going broad, broad, but we're going broad spectrum here. What? Uh, my other thing I'm probably going to remember from 2023 is the F you just win from <laughs> Cody Pichardo. Oh, his yeah. great cup speech where he's just, just win. <laughs> uh, FYJW. They did. Pichardo. <laughs> they did. They certainly did. That's the big one for me. Uh, that's a good I'm one. sorry, I interrupted you. No, 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 no. That's a that's a good CFL moment. I'm glad we uh, we're bringing that up. We have to we have to put that one in here if we're talking about you know things from 2023. Um, let's keep on this train of thought. We're talking about things from a, a broad perspective right now. Let's uh, rein it in here. Go a little bit smaller. So we just talked about things we're going to remember 2023 for. What is a game or a few of the games? from 2023 that you're going to remember? Um, Western Queens. Big one. Uh, the first installment where Vreekin was fully healthy and um, they went down the field and I think it was Russell Weir punched one in with like less than a minute left and you're like, holy shit. Queens, Queens just took the lead on Western and out comes Hillock and he just starts ripping the ball around the park and all of a sudden you get best on best in Ashton Miller Melanson against Mo Jamal and Savon Magnate oh what was Savon Magnate Jones, but um they get him matched into that cut coverage and they run the corner out. He just lays a perfect ball out Hillock does and it's outside and Savon takes it the rest of the way and um sitting there watching the game um being able to take in that moment and then afterwards seeing the CFRC call no. <laughs> um, where they're just it's losing iconic. their mind. Uh, it made the moment better looking back on it, but it was a, it was a fantastic moment in the moment to see Hillock, Savon and that Western offense kind of just rip the hearts out with no time remaining. Oh Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, a heartbreaker, certainly, if you're a Queens fan. But uh, from an OUA fan perspective, it was uh, a really memorable game, a really competitive game. 
I think it was, you know, classic old four football, right? <laughs> no, it was it was something and and I I I love the matchup that they bring because the two teams are built with the same philosophy, the same pedigree. They both have good playmakers at quarterback. They've got fast receivers, powerful run games, stout defenses, and it was just a back and forth game. Anytime one happened, the other happened. And then all of a sudden Jackson Finley gets a pick six and it's like, Oh, well, oh, here goes Western, but Queens finds a way to claw, claw themselves back into the matchup. So um excited to see more of that in the future. OUA is going to be a competitive division next year, man. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, but uh, if I have to go a few games here that were super memorable for me, I'm going to kick it off in the Quebec conference with the Concordia Sherbrooke. 30 to 27 double overtime game. You said Concordia, and I was like, which game is he gonna go with? Because there was a <laughs> couple that were yeah, Concordia had had a few of them this year, but um dude, any anytime a game goes into multiple multiple overtime sessions, uh for me, those are fun games to watch. But I'll remember this one mostly for the second half. Well, I guess the first and the second half. I guess the the first half rise out of Sherbrooke where it was 21 nothing going into the half and everybody's like, holy, this one's in the bag. And then all of a sudden, you know, Concordia comes out and scores 24 points, holding Sherbrooke to, you know, a shutout in the third quarter, three points in the fourth uh, and taking it in overtime after Sherbrooke did have a few chances to win it in overtime as well. Um, it was a... It was a fun game to watch between Sherbrooke and Concordia. Not to mention that our guy, Olivier Wa, 238 and a touchdown in that game too. Not bad. 53 on the ground with his legs. Oh, man. I We get lucky with these games every year. Like, uh, think back to 2019 where the Manitoba, I just think of this because I saw a highlight of it that someone had posted, but Manitoba against Calgary where uh, my friend Pat gets the pick. And then it looks like it's going to be Calgary game. They get the punt return that gets called back. And then Manitoba has a huge punt return. And then I'll, I it came down to like a Hail Mary situation. And the ball gets swatted down. And there's a receiver catching it uh, in the end zone. And oh, it was just a crazy finish. Um, but we get one like that. And then 2021, we get games. 22, we get games. 23, we get these wild games every single year. And it's so fun to do this and kind of like look back and be like, oh, member. <laughs> <laughs> I'm South Park member, Berries. I remember. Uh, yeah. Speaking of I member, I got another good game for you that I want to throw in here. Um, you know, you said you were you were feeling like you copped out with your Montreal Caravan pick. Uh, I'm going to cop out even harder. One of my favorite games this year was the Panda game. I have to do it. But it was an exciting game. It was a really damn good football game. Uh, Campbell Fair came clutch, 55-yard field goal with no time left on the clock to clinch the win for the Ottawa GGs. Campbell Fair, man, we were, we were shouting out kickers last week, and don't worry, I got another kicker coming up here on this list. But Campbell Fair in the Panda game, is it's something special. Every year it seems like this guy is drilling a long one. Boo. 
Sorry, I just had to I had to throw that one in. Um Andy had a rouge in the game. I know it's it's gonna be tough for Ottawa next year not having Campbell Fair kicking the ball. Um yeah. talk about a void to fill on a team, Connor. A kicker might be one of the biggest ones we have across the country, which is crazy because we have a lot of talented guys that are gonna be going to the next level. Yeah. Um leaders playmakers, protectors, um, and a special teamer that's going to be just a massive, massive, massive void to fill. So I'm excited. Uh, what else What else do you have to kind of look back on? Do you have some poetic to just kind of wax for us about the year that was? Yeah, I wanted to talk about uh, a couple of my favorite plays from this season. Okay, go ahead. We can talk. We can talk about plays. Like, I mean, we're going games. We might as well keep keep zooming in the microscope here. Go to plays, and then you know, why not players? Why not players? Sure. Let's get crazy. I don't know. Um, but yeah, this is just kind of like a, a New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, I guess. Year in review of this U Sports season. I've got a few plays I want to talk about. Uh, you know, I want to start with the 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 Manitoba play. That's all I have to say. The Manitoba play. And everybody knows what I'm talking about. It was one of the most ridiculous plays of the season. Um, That play I have to bring up. Because it comes up often when I find myself thinking of, you know, the playoff pushes and the uh, end of the 2023 U-Sports season. Oh, just you just had to rip Calgary Dinos fans, rip their hearts out. A little bit, and I, I don't mean to, but uh, it was it was definitely one of the more exciting plays of 2023, I, I would have to say. Um, one of the more ridiculous finishes, absolutely. Not just the finish to the game, but the finish to a season. For the finish Dinos. to a season, absolutely. So that's one that I got to bring up. That was one of my favorite plays this year. Um, Another another play that I would like, another play that I would love to bring up. I mean, you already brought it up, but it's just he was so fun to watch play football this year. The Jonathan Senecal hurdle, that was just like an athletic freak doing his uh, thing Zeke, on that play. Zeke Tade's touchdown against Laval to send it to OT. Yeah, where he just mosses the corner. That's one for me. Um, God damn, there's. <laughs> Luke Brubaker making a play down down the end of the game. Take your pick at which one. Um, <laughs> Watching Taylor Gersma get into the end zone on a rushing touchdown to see what he was going to do on the celly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I will say, one of the big moments for me, uh, the Guelph game for Taylor Algersma. This, <laughs> Yeah. Where, yeah, like that was, a, uh, that was a big game. What was it, six touchdowns plus a rushing one? Yeah, I think it was like seven total touchdowns on the day for him there. Giovanni Cunningham, by the way, uh, that's the that's the name you're looking for in terms of plays of the year. The Windsor return Ooh. touchdown against the Western Mustangs. Ooh, um, yeah. <laughs> oh, he had boy. a hell of a year as well with the ball in his hands. Um, now that we're thinking about this, there's just so many like the Guelph Waterloo game that came down to like. Uh, the kickoff being taken back for a touchdown by the kickoff team. 
or was it the fumble they had? I, I forget. That one was a crazy finish as well. Yeah. Yeah, certainly was. Certainly was. I mean, out west, out west, too, we had some pretty crazy plays. One of, like, the crazier celebrations slash games, I guess, I like, we could say. We talked about him last week, our guy Jonathan Justini. He has the interception in the game and then kicks a field goal and starts waving goodbye to the Husky sideline in <laughs> in uh, in Saskatchewan, too, I believe. Um, there's lots. No, actually, I don't think be... they were, but yeah. How about, how about X reigning supreme? Is that a moment we can have? Uh, all right, let's move to favorite player. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got, I got one more. I got one more favorite play for you. God, this is a disheveled me. podcast. We're just, we're just rambling. <laughs> well, yeah, because you start talking about this stuff. Like we start, like, oh, we're gonna look back on these things. We're gonna do all this, and then it's like, okay, we're then gonna move we'll... on. No way, I got one more, and then it's like, okay, we'll yeah. move on. No, 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 I got one more. But this is truly the the last. No, no, I got one more because this is this is a great one. I promise you, and I promise all our listeners. Because, because, let me build up some suspense. Because not only was it a highlight reel grab on its own, in any other game, at any other point in time, it is a highlight reel grab. It was a great play, hell of an effort. Then it comes from a, a former U Sports athlete. Oh, in, okay, 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 okay. One of the biggest games, no, not one of, in the biggest game of the year in the Canadian Football League, Tyson Philpott, Grey Cup, touchdown clinching, or game winning, touchdown grab. Last ditch effort for the Montreal Alouettes in a Grey Cup where nobody thought it was going to be that close. Tyson Philpott (laughs) delivers the great cup to the city of Montreal. We have U sports players making professional plays in the biggest stage of that sport of the Canadian football league. Wind it back. Isn't a week. Incredible advertising for university football. Like wind it back. A week. Give me Mark Antoine DeCroix <laughs> picking oh, off the flat lead. route in the East. Yeah. The final great cup man was a highlight pack for U sports players. And and the week before, that's what I'm I'm talking about. The pick six against Toronto. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Antoine yeah, yeah, the jumps the the flat. Yeah. Oh, what a year for just Canadian talent in general in the CFL. Like we had yes. a, a ton. Matthew bets with the the BC Lions uh, sack record. Yeah, 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 yeah. And now not a U sports uh, guy, but a Canadian guy in Oliveira going going berserk all, all season. Clark Barnes was like the leading like all-purpose yards getter for the Calgary Stampeders for like the first <laughs> seven, eight, nine weeks or something like that. I didn't uh I didn't see what he finished the season with. Uh that's my bad. I should have grabbed that. I promise for all the CFP listeners, I'll come back with that in the next episode. But yeah, Clark Barnes going out and having immediate success as a rookie, which <laughs> like who's surprised? Not us. Certainly not us. I mean. <laughs> Do we do we want to go towards Jaden Dalkey and just kind of fawn over oh him for a moment because he gosh. had a huge year too? Yeah. So no, I a, a fantastic year. Yeah, Lake, and then who also doubled back to finish the year coaching with the T Birds and potentially win a Vanier Cup. Yeah. So that was another cool kind of like add in. 
No, uh, let's go to favorite player now. I'll I'll give us one each, one CFL and one uh, U Sports. It can be anyone in the CFL. Just take your pick at your favorite player. I know exactly where I'm going, and it's because we forgot to mention something that I wanted to talk about with you this week. <laughs> My favorite CFL uh, player to watch this year, like Canadian, American, doesn't matter. Does not matter. Could be could be a global player. Could be a global Okay. My favorite CFL player to watch this year. Uh, man, I want to say Matthew Betts, but it's not. Although he plays on the same team and it's Vernon Adams Jr. Because I want to take a minute to brag now that we are at the year in review. We said at the start of the CFL season, Vernon Adams Jr. was going to get his first 4,000-yard season of his career. And he did. And he was also really fun to watch. So Vernon Adams Jr. is my favorite CFL player uh, of the year because that prediction came true. Also, Brady Oliveira as a top three back in the CFL. I think I um, that was a very yes, he did. You did pick. have that one, but but you did have that one too. Brady's a good one. No, I, I think for me it's VA. Watching VA play this year was uh, you know despite the injuries um, was very fun to watch. All right. Um... We're gonna we're gonna say the name and then we're gonna pause the year in review because I have some beef to kind of throw out. Uh, Trey Ford was my favorite player to watch once he finally got in. Yeah, and that was a, now 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 we put a pin in it because Trey Ford may not get the chance to oh, play again next okay. year with the Edmonton Elks. Uh, report service before Christmas, I believe, or just after Christmas. Uh, that the on. Elks that the Elks were looking into bringing in McLeod Battle Thompson, and while the report did say like the coaching staff feels the pressure that they have to win to save their jobs, yes, yes, McLeod Battle Thompson is better to do that with. But when you have a young quarterback that you guys have invested in and clearly had success with last year on the field better success than you did with any other quarterback who you paid significantly more money for um, to then just kind of turn around and be like, wash our hands with you. We're done. We're not going to even try this again. To me, I think it's just the biggest slap in the face to trade Ford. And if you recall back when he got drafted, we were excited that Trey Ford was picked, but we were like, holy crap, this might be the worst place for him. Knowing how quick to pull the trigger, this group running the running the organization is, and while yeah, McLeod Thompson would probably be an upgrade for the Edmonton Elks to have a guy that the locker room clearly falls behind, clearly respects, who is able to make the plays, who costs you next to nothing because he is still on a rookie freaking contract. And just kind of go, all done. I I roll my eyes and I wish that Trey Ford, whether they sign McLeod Bethel Thompson or not, could just go into the front office and say, trade me, trade me to Ottawa. Get, get me out of here. Put me in the nation's capital where they need a quarterback and they need a playmaker. And they will not just kind of pull the trigger quickly. Because this is the same organization that gave Caleb Evans a lot of chances. <laughs> uh, 
I, I think if they got Trey Ford, he would make a significant jump in not only his development, but in the organization's on-field performance, as well as get him away from a situation where clearly they don't value the playmaker that he is. And yes, my man in black, this is directed towards you. I feel <laughs> you. I feel the pressure. But man, you've got something that's working, something that's growing. And any ownership group that looks at potentially buying the Elks will see that growing product too, if they are worth their salt. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. Um, I agree with everything you said about, about Trey Ford. I do have a few issues with this. My first thing with this is like, okay, so whether or not it's true, whatever blah, blah, blah reports are, McLeod Bethel Thompson has some interest in coming back to the CFL. Yeah, okay, cool. You're an idiot if you're any of the GMs in the CFL and you're not kicking your tires. You're not kicking yes. tires on Macbeth. Like you are an idiot if you're not doing that. Whether you're going to start him or, or have him as a backup, you can't I don't have care. him as a backup. I don't, no, no, no. But it, I don't care who you are, what team you are. If you're not kicking the tires on on McLeod Bethel Thompson, you're an idiot. Unless okay, there's a few exceptions to that rule, but like by and large, no. I even you should even be think, doing your due diligence on. McLeod I even Bethel think Thompson. if you're if you're like a Winnipeg, you kick the tires because do we know how many years Zach has left to give you? That's what I mean. That's what I mean. If you're, like, if you're Toronto, Chad Kelly's talked about going down south again. My, my other thing with, with this all too, and I, I 100% agree, um, what makes anybody believe that he wants to go to Edmonton? Yeah, sure, Edmonton has interest in signing him. I think everybody in the CFL would have interest in signing McLeod Bethel-Thompson. Duh. That doesn't mean he's going to go to Edmonton. It's also his choice at the end of the day if he wants to sign and come back in and play for Edmonton. And I think looking at Edmonton right now, my question, if I'm McLeod Bethel-Thompson, which clearly I'm not, that's why I'm sitting here talking about McLeod Bethel-Thompson, but you know, what, what do you have to offer me looking at Edmonton right now? You know, besides the the financial aspect of obviously signing a deal, what does Edmonton have to offer me? They're not a winning team right now. They have some assets. They had a pretty, pretty good ground game in 2023, but as a quarterback, who am I throwing the ball to? What type of weapons do you have around me? And, and what type of team am I coming in to play for? What's the scheme? Do I fit all those things? But looking at Edmonton, really, what do they have to offer Macbeth? Right a now? lot of playmakers. They they have a ton of playmakers. Like you look at Dylan Mitchell, Brown. Um, like they've got the guys to burn. They've got good offensive line talent. Uh, I don't know. I like to me. I don't trust like they. But I this don't is the same the team that waved a huge chunk of cash at. At Cornelius. Oh, but yeah, but you can't compare Cornelius to McBeth. But if they're willing like... to throw money at the corn man, how much right. are they yeah, willing sure. to throw to MBT? Like, well, that's they could saying. just outbid everyone for him. And that's what it but that's what I'm saying. Down it still to. comes down to it's his choice to be like, okay, yeah, sure, they outbid everybody, but that doesn't necessarily mean he has to sign there. Like, I'd rather sign back in Toronto or in Ottawa or 
know, wherever the hell else for a little bit less money and especially in Toronto, uh, opportunities to win. What about Saskatchewan? Like they are you there? Are they going to go away from Trevor Harris though? I don't, I don't, I, I think he proved he was a good quarterback before, you know, he was forced out. Yeah, I, I agree with you, but new, new coaching staff, do they kind of look at different options or I would go with Trevor Harris? I, I think if you're ranking again, like I think spots if, for MBT, if, if we're coming, yeah, that's what I think. Like if you're coming back to the MBT argument, you have to kick the tires on him. Mm-hmm. Is Trevor Harris going to sustain these injuries? Is he going to be able to keep coming back from these injuries? Like he is damn good. One of the game's, you know, most efficient quarterbacks ever, but you know, let's face it. Injuries are starting to become an issue because he is getting older and that just happens. I, where I want to kind of point like, yeah, kick the tires, but where is this coming from to be made public? Who, who leaks this story? That's what I mean. Is it McLeod's agent? Is it McLeod? Is it the Edmonton Elks? Because who wants this information out there? If I'm Trey Ford, I'm, I'm putting out that I want to be traded then. Put it out. Put it in the ether. See what teams come calling. Because I think Ottawa would. I think Calgary probably would, given their frustrations with Jake Mayer or apparent frustrations. I don't know for sure, but I'd be frustrated with it. I voice that. Could you imagine Ford and Philpot? Yeah. And like, Clark Barnes. And Luther. And, and, and the Bagel Man. And, 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 like, oh Connor. Oh, gosh. Let's not forget, like Mark and Michelle was playing. Yeah, he was he was electric. They were also missing Connor Malik Henry of all people last year. So if you got Trey Ford, and we are now speaking pure hypotheticals into the ether, Trey Ford, Kadeem Cash and Carey, Phil Pot, Begleton, Hawk Kanavanu, Markeith Ambles, Malik Henry, Cole Tucker. Clark Barnes, Trey Odom's Dukes, like Connor. That was, I think, eight receivers that I just listed. <laughs> <laughs> a few, a few, uh, a running back, and Trey Ford. Like this team would be electricity to watch. But if I'm Trey Ford, the fact that that article came out, it hasn't come out about any other team kicking the tires on MBT. The fact that it came out about my team. I'm waving the flag and I'm saying, come and get me, boys. Trade season. Let's get this going. One final year on the rookie deal to prove everything for Trey Ford. It certainly would be interesting, but I think, you know, this report has done exactly what it was meant to do. And I think exactly what it was meant to do was get us talking about this and nothing more. I, I went back and checked. It came out, or uh, I went back and checked. It came out on December 23rd, just before Christmas. CFL is kind of not really in anybody's minds right now. You drop a bomb like this, and all of a sudden, you know, maybe for the next few hours, the next couple of days, whatever it is, you know, you got people clicking, reading, thinking about the CFL again, thinking about the 2024 season. So I think it was, uh, a talking point 
something to get excited about, something to generate in the, you know, uncomfortable winters of, of Canada when there is no CFL football being played. But I, you know, I think that's, that's what it was meant to do. And that's what it's done here. Um, and it's fun to do. And and that's kind of, to me, that's what those reports are for. Just like the, the preseason reports you see in the NFL, when some guy you never heard of is firing on all cylinders against more DBs you've never heard of. Okay. Um, that was our CFL players. I know we got really sidetracked. Favorite youth sports player before we wrap, because you are going to see a movie about the talking heads. Yes. Yes, I am. Okay. Favorite youth sports player quickly without going on massive tangents like I just did. Yeah, I'm going to cop out a little bit here with uh, with one of my favorite players to to watch of this youth sports season. But for me, it was Taylor L. Gersma of the Laurier Golden Hawks. I, I think the things that he did this year in the OUA, the improvement he showed from the 2022 season to the 2023 season was monumental like he was the number one passing quarterback in the nation in terms of yards per game he had 18 touchdowns only four interceptions 75 percent completion rate this kid was was an absolute baller this year not only in the oua but in u sports and i think he had a really really strong case to win a heck and you know i hope that is something that we see in his future but he was a really fun player to watch and uh in terms of scoring rushing touchdowns, he was able to do that as well. Like he could get it done, arms, legs, whatever. And he had good talent around him to help get it done. But uh, he was a fun player, and that was a fun offense to watch this year. Jackson Finley, easiest answer of my oh, life. I, I enjoyed the shit out of watching this man just make free safety look free, easy, simple. And in a scheme where they ask their safeties to do quite a bit at Western, sideline to sideline speed, change of direction, physicality to tackle, ability to play in man coverage, like three interceptions, 118 return yards, most of those against Queens because he had that one massive touchdown that he took back. Five PBUs, a sack, 30 total tackles, like for a team that had really good front seven play from their linebackers, just kind of eviscerating tackles from the safety, he still got a good number. He still had lots of impact plays. And once we got into the playoffs, we saw it go up a notch. We saw it go up another level. And there was one interception he had on the sidelines against Laurier in that Yates Cup where I just, you just kind of toss your hat and say, <laughs> what, do you, what are you supposed to do? Because you put a ball high and outside where only your receiver can get it. And from the middle of the field comes this rangy ass safety. Jumps out of the gym, plucks the ball out of the air, two feet, toe tap on the sidelines, out of bounds into the Western bench. And all of a sudden the Mustangs have the ball. And you're like, what? Who? How, how do you get there? How do you get to that? And to me, watching Jackson Finley play was a treat. Um, yeah, he's one of these guys that we're lucky that we're getting back next year. Yeah, because, well, we are lucky. The other ten quarterbacks in Ontario are not so lucky yeah. because it takes away a chunk of the field. And like when they had Valenti still there, they let Jackson Finley kind of play half just because you have to get him on the field. And now you put him back at safety, and it's like a great eraser. 
you don't want to go near him. You don't want to throw the ball near him. But with his range, that zone gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger the longer you hold on to the ball. He can get to where you're looking, even if you think you've got the throw beat. Oh, yeah. So he's a hell of a I thoroughly watch. enjoyed watching Jackson Finley this yeah, year. And, it's a great um, Yeah, so ta-da. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's all. Year that was. Stuff. Year to come. <laughs> uh, draft, obviously, starting to pick up. If you're watching bowl season, Theo Johnson had a touchdown for Penn State. Malik Straker played for New Mexico State um, last week. Arkansas State. Sorry. So many states with red and black colors. It's just, it's it's a lot. <laughs> but no, uh, Malik Straker played. Uh, Tanner McLaughlin and the Arizona Wildcats had a big win too. So uh, keep watching for bowl season, but it's time for Connor's Michigan Wolverines. Go Hopefully, blue. go blue. I, I don't know if you've seen how the Rose Bowl field looks. I've you can kind of see it in behind me. I have had college football on. Um, they had like the aerial after they took the tarps off the maze end zone. Oh. <laughs> Because, you know, the Rose Bowl, they also paint, like, the sideline up to yeah. the 20. It looks so sharp. It looks so good. Um, I'm looking forward to the Rose Bowl. Oh, I am going to be a nervous wreck tomorrow. Jimothy Harbaugh wears khakis seven days a week just for this moment. I'm nervous. <laughs> Palms are sweaty. Knees weak. Arms are heavy. All right. Oh, did you see? Okay, before you go, did you see Gus Johnson <laughs> with uh, Miller Moss, the USC quarterback? I feel no. like Eminem right now. And no, I didn't Joel Klatt, Joel Klatt just goes like, "What are you? What are you talking about?" And he goes, uh, "Yeah." So he starts going like, "This opportunity comes once in a lifetime. Do not miss your chance to play." He starts like going through the song, <laughs> talking about Miller Moss's six touchdown game. Um, just electricity. From Gus Johnson in the booth every time. I love I love hearing him call games. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, all right, we're out. Have a good New Year, everyone. Uh, Be safe. Don't do dumb stuff. Arrive alive. Drive sober. If you're going anywhere and you are inebriated, please call a taxi, Uber, Lyft. Uh, take a lime. No, you can't even take a lime scooter. Those are dangerous. Uh, sober, let alone impaired. Yeah. Um, don't drive high as well. It's another big one this time of year. So um, please just stay safe. Enjoy the holiday. We'll talk to you in 2024.